Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Hope you're having a good day. Thanks for joining us. Wow, lots to talk about. We've got a great lineup of guests today. Lots of topics uh, to uh, discuss. A couple are really dominating the ag news uh, right now, and that is the uh, tariff situation with steel and aluminum. A lot of concerns over potential retaliation on agriculture. And, of course, the ongoing debate with the renewable fuel standard and RENs. Uh, we have guests lined up today to talk about those topics and more. Uh, Bob Deneen. CEO and President of the Renewable Fuels Association will be joining us today. Former Secretary of Agriculture, now President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, Tom Vilsack will be joining us. He'll talk a lot about uh, where NAFTA's at and seems like some progress has been made on NAFTA in some areas, but uh, the tariff situation kind of uh, dominating there too and maybe uh, bogging that down somewhat. Also, we'll talk trade with John Heistorfer, president of the American Soybean Association. He'll be joining us a little bit later on as well. Of course, uh, today's big day for Bill Northey. He'll be sworn in uh, as the USDA's new Undersecretary for Farm Production and Conservation. Uh, long awaited, long overdue, but it's finally going to happen. Be great to have him on board at USDA. Let's talk about some of these topics with our first guest today. Very happy to have with us Chris Clayton. He's the uh, DTN Ag Policy Editor. You can follow him at Chris Clayton DTN. Always a great read. He has so much great information. Chris, thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. Uh, thanks, Mike, and congratulations on the new show. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. You know, I was I was thinking about this uh, this morning, Chris. It seems like every time we really get set to to really focus in on the farm bill other stories crop up and kind of push the farm bill discussion uh to the back burner a little bit now i know work's still going on on the farm bill but here all of a sudden when we would normally i guess be really focused in on what's happening with the farm bill we're talking about the the rfs and we're talking about the 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 tariffs from the trump administration on steel and aluminum and potential impact on agriculture and all that's kind of dominating the news right now yeah, and that was kind of evident quite a bit last week at Commodity Classic in Anaheim, California, with uh, the National Corn Growers, Soybean Association, Wheat Growers, Sorghum, et cetera. Um, you know, they probably would have all liked to have focused on, you know, the Farm Bill and, and put more emphasis on the need to uh, to get legislation done this year. And, and that kind of got overwhelmed by what was going on, particularly at the White House, involving uh, the uh, continued discussions over the RFS. We're going to talk later uh, with the president of the American Soybean Association, as I pointed out. Uh, that's an area of great concern about retaliation from the tariffs. But I guess right now, easing those concerns, the fact that it's so dry in Argentina, their soybean production uh, their expectations have really been lowered, and that's kind of supportive of uh, soybean prices right now. So it's kind of taken the edge off some of that concern. Yeah, that, that was kind of the interesting situation on Thursday. Um, the tariff announcement came out. You know, you saw the immediate impact in the uh, equity market and the, the Dow dropping, especially. But soybean prices moved upward, and uh, so I had to call our analysts and say, well, what was going on there? And Argentina, a private group in Argentina, had lowered their estimates by about 3 million metric tons for soybeans. So that kind of basically helped stave off some of the price decline for soybeans. Uh, what really, I guess, matters isn't necessarily specifically the tariffs being placed on, uh, on steel and aluminum, but what becomes the reaction response from uh whether it's the European Union or China, they have not specific. Nobody specifically has pointed out soybeans as something they would uh, they would retaliate against. Nothing I've seen anyway. But that's that's certainly the concern is that U.S. agricultural commodities will will end up paying a penalty in different countries because of this. Yeah, well, watching to see what happens there, but that's uh, always a concern. And historically, I think the we usually say, and I think it bears fruit here, and it, 
has come true time after time. No one usually wins in trade wars, uh, despite what the president has said about the, uh, the positives or what he sees as advantages of a trade war. I don't know. It just didn't seem to work that way for agriculture very often. But we'll see how that plays out. Now, I want to talk about the RFS situation. You have written a very interesting piece. Uh, you wrote this over the weekend about really looking at, hey, you know, you there's so much uncertainty and uh, fluctuation at times with uh, national, federal policy on renewable fuels. It really should be a, a wake-up call uh, for states to be more involved and do more uh, things that they can do to help with the uh, promotion and increased usage of renewable fuels. Yeah, this was something that uh, I thought about a lot more, particularly after I bought a flex fuel uh, vehicle. Uh, it's an odd situation. So I live 15 miles from an ethanol plant in Iowa. We produce 4 billion gallons of ethanol, far more than any other state. Basically, a quarter of all ethanol production is in Iowa. So I live 15 miles from an ethanol plant in the state of Iowa. There are 40 gas pumps in my town of 6,000 people in my town and right off the interstate. I don't have a single flex fuel option in Glenwood, Iowa. And this was the kind of thing that really made me begin to think, why aren't there more things being done on the state level to uh, to champion and push either, you know, more uh, E10 uh, usage, more E15 usage, and um, going up to uh, mid-level blends. Um, I got a council bluffs, Iowa, to show up generally. They have a wonder pump there that not only has E85, but also E40. And, and what I found with E40 is that it works great for me and my pickup, and I don't really see any uh, decline in uh, miles per gallon whatsoever with that. So um, and you've got all this problems on the, on the national level. And, you know, we saw last week that just simple meetings at the White House could put the RFS at risk if it goes different ways uh, when it comes to the RIMS credits. It seems that the states that grow the most, produce the most ethanol, particularly the upper north, upper Midwest region, ought to be figuring out ways to protect uh, protect market share and maybe even grow market share. Um, and I think that's something that really needs to be taken a more serious look at if you don't want to run the risk in 2022 when the RFS is supposed to kind of somewhat sunset, that every year ethanol usage is going to be based upon uh, the annual decisions of the EPA administrator. Yeah, it's a great article you've written, and it really makes people makes you think. And uh, I know there's always reluctance and resistance to mandates, but uh, uh, that, uh, another area to at least look at or consider when thinking out of the box by states on how to promote uh, uh, renewable fuels. Chris, as always, thanks. Uh, you can follow Chris at Chris Clayton DTN on Twitter. Uh, check out his uh, work at DTN. He's the ag policy editor for DTN. Chris, as always, thank you. We'll look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thanks a lot, Mike, and uh, have a great uh, rest of the day. With uh, it sounds like you got a good lineup going on there today. All right, thanks, Chris. Yeah, coming up next, Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. He'll have some strong takes on the RFS uh, debate. Also later, we'll have Tom Bilsack, former Ag Secretary, now president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, talking trade. And we'll have the president of the American Soybean Association, John Heistorfer, will join us. Thank you for joining us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready. Carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen? That's a given. Responsive nitrogen? 
That's amazing. That's ESN. Go to SmartNitrogen.com to learn more. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control. Backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgrow Roundup ready to extend. And superior weed control. Growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system. The highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to AOA Adams on Agriculture. I tell you what, when I want to know what's going on in the renewable fuels industry, I go to Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. My friend, good to talk with you. Thanks for joining me on my new show. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you. You have no idea how uh, happy I am to be talking to you again. Well, it's uh, great to uh, have you back on, and uh, it seems like, though, we're still talking about challenges to the RFS. If we've, if we've talked about this over and over over the years, and it just seems like uh, uh, it just keeps coming back and back again. And here we are now with this debate and all these meetings at the White House and uh, talk about caps on RENs and what it will take to get the, the E15 waiver. Uh, what's your assessment of where we're at right now, Bob? Uh, what concerns you? Where do you think we're at with this issue? Oh, indeed, I think you're right. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, the debate continues. You've got uh, Ted Cruz and, and uh, some others that are adamant about trying to relitigate the 2007 renewable fuel standard. I think that they will ultimately fail because that program has been such a success. Nonetheless, uh, they've made some progress in terms of being able to get meetings at the White House to discuss it. Uh, But last week there was a meeting in which uh, the president uh, had essentially requested that industry leaders come on in and uh, try to talk through some of these issues. And I believe uh, he heard a great deal about how if you need to reduce the price of RINs, the way to do it is not by reducing demand, not by capping RINs or allowing exports to count toward a refiner's obligation, but by expanding demand, getting more E15 into the marketplace. And there was a great discussion about how allowing E15 uh, to be sold year-round, removing some antiquated regulations that treat E15 differently from E10 and have prevented gasoline marketers from offering that fuel blend 12 months a year. Uh, And I think really a a good deal of progress was made. Now, Ted Cruz continues to suggest that uh, if you're going to do that, you you must uh, cap rent prices. But that is just uh, ridiculous. Those two proposals would be in conflict with one another. Capping rent prices reduces demand, 
allowing RVP to uh, provide a marketplace opportunity for E15 expands demand. So make up your mind, Mr. Cruz. What what are we going to try to do here? I think at the end of the day, uh, sanity will reign, and the president will recognize that if he's going to be true to his commitment to the voters in Iowa and and maintain a 15-million-gallon RFS, uh, that the only thing that he can do here is expand demand by allowing E15 sold year-round. But we'll see. It's going to be an interesting several weeks. Baba, I'm concerned. I talked about this yesterday with Deputy Secretary Steve Sinsky who I think is a great ally to have there, a very knowledgeable uh, resource uh, at USDA to have in this discussion because of his background with the Soybean Association. But when I brought up the idea, I said, are we headed towards some kind of a trade-off to get e- an E15 waiver? There's going to have to be uh, a REN cap. Put- he, he recognized the the downside of that, as you just pointed out, but then he said something like, well, it would kind of depend on where you set that cap at, what level. Are you concerned we're headed for some sort of trade-off there in, in their attempt to get a compromise and what they would call a win-win situation? Well, my members pay me to be concerned about uh, all possibilities, and so, yeah, I, I would be uh, derelict of me not to. It certainly is a possibility. You know, and why, you know if, you, if you're looking for a deal, everybody has to get something. Well... In this case, that perfect deal may not be there, and ultimately the president may have to choose sides. Do I think the president uh, will choose refiners over farmers across this country? No, I, I don't. I think his commitment to farmers in Iowa is genuine. I think his understanding of what ethanol means for the nation's energy infrastructure is real. And I do think that he appreciates now that allowing E15 to be sold year-round would, in fact, reduce rent prices. And so if, if that is the objective of the refiners, lowering compliance costs, then getting more ethanol, more free rents into the marketplace will do just that. If, on the other hand, the refiners' ultimate, ultimate objective is just uh, destructing demand, reducing the amount of ethanol and biodiesel used in the nation's fuel supply, the president is going to see right through that, and he's not going to allow it. Is it a possibility yet today? Sure. But that's why we're working hard to make sure that people understand that those two proposals are uh, in conflict with one another. They cannot be part of a package. It's oil and and water, and they, they just will not mix. We're talking with Bob Deneen, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Last week at Commodity Classic, uh, Secretary Purdue came out very strongly in his support of RFS, but his comments made it sound like he was trying to separate uh, the RFS and RENs instead of uh, talking about them being part of the same package and and uh, needing to address that issue as one and not separate. Uh, did you did you uh, pick up on that? Were you uh, did that uh, stand out to you? The way he talked about that. What stood out to me was the secretary's adamant support for the RFS and noting that, you know, he will not support uh, reductions in demand for biofuels uh, as a part of any solution here. He he could not have been more clear. Uh, and and look, there there are details here that. Uh, need to be better understood. As you say, Steve Sensky, being at the USDA, understands these programs and I think is the, is the right person to really be looking at it. Uh, I will note that uh, later on today, uh, when Bill Northey is sworn in as undersecretary, that'll be another voice within the department that really understands these issues. So I, I think we're moving in the right direction. You have the secretary affirming the president's support, uh, his, his own personal word that uh, he will not support measures that result in demand destruction. So now we have to do our job and, and demonstrate beyond a shadow of a doubt that caps on uh, renewable identification numbers on the waiver credits uh, would, in fact, uh, reduce demand. And I have no doubt that we will be able to do that. 
Agriculture excited to have Bill Northey uh, get confirmed and sworn in uh, today uh, to USDA, that new post. Um, but a lot of questions, of course, you were very vocal uh, about uh, Senator Cruz's opposition, uh, or at least his holding up of this uh, appointment. Now there's speculation. What did Ted Cruz get out of all this? Did he, was there some kind of behind-the-scenes deal that we don't know about? Uh, do you think anything, should we be expecting some kind of announcement that he got something out of this? I don't think so. I, I think Ted Cruz got a meeting out of it. Uh, if there was a deal already baked, uh, Ted Cruz would have been putting out congratulatory uh, press releases to himself. Uh, look, the, the fact that Bill Northey, a man eminently qualified for the position, uh, you know, in my estimation, the hardest working, most uh, dedicated uh, Secretary of Agriculture across the 50 states, for him to be held up uh, was a disgrace and says a lot more about. Ted Cruz's willingness to abuse parliamentary procedure than it does the qualifications of one Bill Northey. Indeed, once a, uh, a vote was allowed or a motion to proceed was allowed, he sailed through unanimously. Uh, there, was, there was no opposition. And for him to have been held up for four months uh, just so that uh, Ted Cruz can have this parochial campaign waged uh, I, I just thought was was awful, and I am so happy that uh, Bill Northey is now uh, cleared and on his way to Washington D.C. because uh, the swamp needs somebody to help clean it up, and Bill Northey can do so. Bob, good to talk with you again. Um, I know there's a lot going on as always, but uh, glad that you're out there uh, representing the renewable fuels industry, and we'll look forward to having you on Adams on Agriculture often in the future. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Mike. You take care. All right. Take care, Bob. Bob Deneen, President and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Some interesting comments there. He thinks opponents of the RFS will ultimately fail and points out that the caps on wrens not the answer uh, the answer uh, to lowering those wren prices more ethanol in the marketplace uh, get more e15 out there and other blends out there as well all right coming up next the president and ceo of the u.s dairy export council former secretary of agriculture tom vilsack will join us He'll give us his thoughts on the nafta talks are we making any progress at all in that uh, the differences between the u.s and canada on dairy what are his thoughts on the steel and aluminum tariffs? How do they complicate the, the NAFTA talks? We'll find out what he thinks coming up next. And later, the president of the American Soybean Association will join us as well. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Tired of yesterday's mist weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of mist weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to mist weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control. Backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgro Roundup ready to extend. And superior weed control. Growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system. The highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. With your market check from Adams on Agriculture, I'm Rusty Halverson of the American Ag Network. Grain and soybean futures seeing a bit of a turnaround Tuesday after rallying to begin the trading week on continued weather concerns in South America and the southern U.S. Plains. Wheat rallied sharply yesterday, resuming a week-long rally sparked by dry weather forecasts for hard red winter wheat country over the next couple of weeks. That could put a dent in the nation's production, but bears are quick to point out big domestic supplies already sitting in the bins. Traders are looking ahead to Thursday's new WASDE report from USDA. It's widely expected that the Ag Department will cut its estimate for soybean production in Argentina due to dry weather. There are some light showers in the forecast for this week, but not enough to change the overall trend. 
90 minutes into the Tuesday trading session and soybean futures in a mix. May down three and three quarters at 1073 and three quarters. November up to 1044 and a quarter for the new crop. May corn down a half, 386 and three quarters. December down a half at 405 and a half. Chicago wheat may down nine at five dollars and a quarter cent. Kansas City may down nine at 536 and a half. Minneapolis spring wheat fractional changes. May an asking price of 623 and a half, down three quarters of a cent. For livestock at the Merck, cattle and hog futures rallied Monday after a week of lower prices. On this Tuesday, April live cattle up 97 cents at 124.20. Feeder cattle April up 85 cents at 147.72. We have yet to see cash cattle activity on the week in the central and southern plains. Lean hogs nearby April down a nickel per hundred weight, 68.75. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow is up 15 points, crude oil up two cents a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with models starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Hey, welcome back to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Happy to have with us now the president and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, former Secretary of Agriculture, Tom Vilsack. Mr. Secretary, thanks for joining me on my new show. Hey, Mike, it's great to be with you. And uh, I like the AOO, is it? What is it? A Adams on Agriculture, AOA. Yep. hard to say. <laughs> yeah, AOA Adams on Agriculture, and uh, yeah, appreciate you being on with me. And hey, I know that uh, today, especially, uh, I wanted to get your thoughts on uh, Bill Northey finally being uh, going to be sworn in at USDA, a fellow Iowan for you. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, it's a great opportunity for uh, Secretary Northey. Uh, he did a great job as Secretary of Agriculture here in Iowa, and I'm I'm happy for him personally. He's been on the bubble for an extended period of time, and I think it was unfortunate. But uh, now he's in place, and I'm sure Secretary Purdue is very, very happy to have uh, uh, the undersecretary on board. Uh, he'll bring uh, knowledge uh, about what the real-life consequences are for the farm programs and the conservation programs, so I expect him to do a good job, and I think farmers are going to be benefited from having him in that position. Well, let's uh, switch to the NAFTA talks. Uh, it sounds like some progress has been made in some areas, but uh, now we have kind of complicating things, the, uh, the steel and aluminum tariffs. We've already heard reaction uh, from Canada, as would be expected. They're not happy with it. Uh, do you see this slowing down? Uh, is this a big hurdle in getting a new NAFTA deal done? Geez, uh, Mike, I wish we could talk about Bill Northey a little bit longer. Um, this is... <laughs> A tough issue. Uh, it's a very tough issue. Uh, you know, obviously, I think the administration fully understands and appreciates uh, the position of agriculture in terms of NAFTA, preserving what's working and, and making sure we correct what isn't. Um, I think it's fair to say that the tough issues in agriculture have not yet been addressed. Uh, certainly some of the issues on the edges, sanitary and phytosanitary systems, uh, sort of breaking down the friction at the border, have been addressed in the in the recent conversation, but they haven't gotten to the big issues yet. Certainly in dairy, they haven't discussed uh, the issues involving Class Seven in Canada. Uh, putting the tariff discussion into the mix makes it even more complex than it was. Uh, the, the fact is that that now has created uh, a lot of concern and angst in Canada and in Mexico, 
Uh, and the reality is we'll have to see how this plays out. The administration has not yet fully uh, disclosed its position on the tariffs. There's still some uncertainty about who the tariffs are going to be assessed against and for how long and what conditions will be attached to them. So I think we have to wait and see. I know there's an effort now in the White House uh, to uh, to try to tone down uh, uh, some of these uh, some of these proposals. We'll see if that works or not. Um, but the reality is it's an, a very complex circumstance. It's even more complex when you look at the calendar. We're now coming up and bumping up against the Mexican elections, which obviously will make this thing more complicated. Our own congressional elections are coming up as well. Say that uh, you know, I think we have to sort of a wait and see attitude. Uh, now there's an additional wrinkle in the discussion when uh, Ambassador Lighthizer suggested that perhaps we could have uh, not a multilateral or trilateral agreement, but a, a, a bilateral agreement uh, where we essentially would have an agreement with Mexico uh, and isolate Canada or vice versa. Uh, so it's a, a very complex negotiation, and I think uh, there's a lot of concern out there in the countryside because of uh, uh, the uncertainty of it all. You mentioned that the the tough issues, and certainly dairy would be right at the top of that list, still not really addressed. Has behind the scenes has there been any on the fundamental differences between the U.S. and Canada on dairy policy? You know, I don't think there has. I don't think there's been a lot of conversation about it. Uh, you know, essentially what they've done over the first seven rounds of these uh, negotiations and the uh, discussions between staff in, in, in between the rounds uh, have been on the edges, uh, uh, certainly not tackling the really tough issues. Uh, in addition to the specific issues relating to dairy, you have the whole rules origin, uh, the dispute settlements uh, issues uh, that are still having uh, to be resolved. There may have been some discussions on those big, big issues uh, just to try to determine if there's a potential compromise between the parties, but I don't think on the dairy issue in particular there's been a great deal of conversation. I will say uh, I think the administration fully understands what the position is of U.S. dairy, and I think they have conveyed that position to the Canadians uh, in very specific terms. I think there's been ongoing conversation with the Mexicans in terms of preserving market access and making sure that we don't have a situation where we surrender to the European Union uh, the ability to use certain cheese names. So I think those conversations have taken place, but I wouldn't say that there's been any concrete uh, movement on, on those issues. There are growing concerns, and in some quarters, actual predictions that the president will pull out of NAFTA, that these talks are, are going to fail. Could dairy be the deal breaker? Could dairy be the area that would keep uh, uh, NAFTA 2.0 from being agreed upon? Well, I would certainly hope not. Uh, you know, agriculture, dairy in, in particular, but agriculture generally should never be the reason why a trade agreement doesn't get done. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, you know, good ways, good opportunities to get this thing resolved in a way that's fair to everyone and fair uh, not just to U.S. dairy producers, but also Canadian consumers. Having said that, uh, you know, I think if, it, if the talks fail, it won't be because of dairy or anything in the agricultural uh, sphere. I think it'll be more likely the rules of origin or dispute settlement resolution or some of the bigger issues that are sort of all-encompassing uh, that impact all aspects of the economy. Uh, the tariff discussion could also make this a much more complicated negotiation than it already was. Uh, if those tariffs are assessed at, at the levels that they are, that the president has suggested, and they are targeted at Can Canada and Mexico, I think it creates uh, some serious issues. And so, um, you know, there's a lot to be determined here in the next couple of weeks um, as the administration uh, becomes more specific about their tariff proposal uh, and what the reaction of the world will be. You know, obviously, uh, when I was in China, uh, recently, I had a conversation with an assistant minister, and he was very clear that China would would be would, would be watching very carefully what Washington does, and making sure that there would be an, an appropriate response uh, if, in fact, there are actions that China uh, interpreted as being uh, against it. Um, and it suggested, obviously, that agriculture would be uh, would be one area where they would look because there's a, currently a trade surplus with China in, in agriculture. Uh, and we saw that when uh, the administration focused on washing machines and solar panels recently, the immediate response of the Chinese was to, to take a look at uh, uh, sorghum. So I think we have to be, you know, we have to be very careful here. Uh, I think we have to be very, very careful, and I think we have to continue to explain uh, to people in Washington, D.C., that we're not just talking about agriculture. We're talking about the food and agriculture industry, which uh, when you look at it in total, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, 
28% of the entire workforce of the United States is involved in food and agriculture. It's 20% of the economy. So anything that alters uh, the current situation with reference to agriculture that's, that's a negative is going to have an impact and ripple through uh, the entire uh, significant uh, element of a, con- a significant portion of the economy. So I think we have to be very, very sensitive to that and very careful uh, in terms of what we do uh, vis-a-vis the rest of the world. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Talking with Tom Vilsack, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, former Secretary of Agriculture. You mentioned the elections being, uh, you know, a part of the uh, need to get this NAFTA negotiations done. We hear a lot about the potential change in leadership in Mexico, and uh, a certain candidate wins down there uh, might not be as receptive to a to a NAFTA deal. How real is that pressure and the risk of really losing a key market there? Well, I think it's I think it's very uh, the pressure to conclude these negotiations prior to those elections is very real. Uh, the, the current government would have the ability to get it done before. Uh, the new government would take over. Uh, and I think with a new government, you essentially have a whole cast of, of new folks that you have to deal with, and that obviously would result in a significant delay down the road. Um, and so I think it's in- incredibly important for us to try to figure out a way in which we can get this thing resolved, which means that folks really have to pick up the pace. We're now in March. Uh, the good sign from the most recently concluded round was that the, uh, the negotiators have indicated that their staffs will continue to talk uh, consistently and, and constantly between now and the next round. So I think that's an indication that we're getting serious about trying to figure out if there's going to be a renegotiated NAFTA and what it's going to look like. So I take that as a positive sign, um, and, and I hope that uh, those discussions begin to have a focus on the major issues that have separated the parties for the last uh, you know many, many months. Um, and so uh, I think it can get done. I think it needs to get done. Uh, I think if you get into the late spring, it becomes more problematic, um, and it becomes an election issue for sure down in Mexico, and it begins to become an election issue here in the U.S. And again, the tariff issue has complicated it uh, even further. Yeah, a lot of times we focus on the high-profile individuals and public comments, and so we forget sometimes that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes work going on, a lot of the staff work that goes on, really the nuts and bolts of these negotiations. Uh, that's where the work really, the heavy lifting gets done, isn't it? That's right, and that's why it's important for us to have commissioned and to take a look at this study that was recently commissioned uh, that focused on how much of an impact the dairy industry, for example, has relative to the Mexican market. It's our number one market, and somewhere between 75 and 78 percent of all dairy imports into Mexico come from the U.S. It's an important market for specific aspects of dairy, whether it's 45 percent of our skim milk powder exports go to Mexico or 30 percent of our cheese exports go to Mexico, uh, and we've seen the opportunity for expanded access in this market that's now well over a $1.2 billion opportunity for us. So, uh, you know, it's important for policymakers, for staff, for the people that are are negotiating uh, to understand and appreciate uh, how much that market has grown since NAFTA, how many people are employed, over 16,000 people employed directly as a result of those dairy exports into that, into that uh, country. Uh, and what will happen if we can't get an agreement, if we walk away from NAFTA, we lose our competitive advantage, uh, which we currently have because we're duty-free down there because of NAFTA versus our uh, competitors who have to pay fairly significant tariffs on powder, whey, uh, and cheeses. So it, it's an opportunity for us to preserve what's working in Mexico, uh, and it is absolutely an opportunity for us to fix right. what has not been working with the Canadian uh, market for some time. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Look forward to talking with you again. All right. Take care. Take care. Tom Vilsack, former Ag Secretary, joining us on AOA Adams on Agriculture. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. 
No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control, backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgrow Roundup ready to extend. And superior weed control. Growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system. The highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. ESN is a responsive nitrogen. That means it does something amazing. This. That's the sound of ESN getting ready, carefully, quietly calculating the exact moment to respond to your plant's needs. Why is that amazing? Because while other nitrogen might denitrify, volatilize, or leach away, ESN stays put inside its polymer coating, saving your nitrogen investment until... The same triggers that spur plant growth tell ESN it's time to get busy and deliver the nitrogen your plants need. And ESN's controlled release technology means your plants get season-long feeding. Remember, when it comes to nitrogen, this beats and every time. Effective nitrogen, that's a given. Responsive nitrogen, that's amazing. That's ESN. Go to SmartNitrogen.com to learn more. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed. It's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. My pillow now offers 50% off their four-pack special. That's two premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows, 50% off. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. 50% off MyPillow's four-pack special. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 and use promo code FARM11. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And welcome back to AOA. Thanks to Bob Deneen with the Renewable Fuels Association and Tom Vilsack, President and CEO of the U.S. Dairy Export Council, for joining us. Now happy to have with us the President of the American Soybean Association, John Heistorfer. John, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you for having me this morning, Mike. 
Have you recovered from uh, Commodity Classic last week? <laughs> well, I recovered, or uh, actually, I got a cold when I got home, so uh-huh. I'm uh, trying to recover from that. But uh, uh-huh. uh, we're fortunate. Well, I guess we're fortunate down here. I, I don't know whether you got snow or not, but we didn't get any in here in southeast Iowa. So uh, get a few flurries this morning, but that's it. So yeah. I'm in central Illinois. We've had rain here, but we know a lot of other places have had snow, for sure. Hey, well, let's talk about some of the issues. Uh, been talking about this tariff situation and concerns. I think immediately in agriculture, we thought of retaliation, and especially on soybeans. Uh, how concerned are you about uh, about that possibility? Well, we're extremely concerned, you know, that uh, Section 232, um, you know, the investigations by the administration, we put our uh, soybean farmers' interest at, at risk. Um, you know, we we export 60% of our of our soybeans here in the U.S. So, um, yeah, it makes us really concerned. And when you look at that possibility, uh, and we're so dependent on exports and uh, the need for those, what are you doing as an association? Are you in in heavier talks than ever, more concentrated talks with administrations to to make sure they're aware of uh, how sensitive this is for agriculture? Yeah, that's right. We started talking with uh, <coughs> Secretary Ross already last summer uh, when we first heard about this, and uh, we've continued to to visit off and on with uh, with different uh, with different officials. Uh, talked to uh, Secretary of Ag out at uh, at Classic and. Uh, you know, informed him how concerned we were again. Uh, but uh, you know, we we can only do so much. So, uh, but we're we're trying to trying to change the the tide here the way it is. When we look back at your uh, at your meeting last week in Anaheim, what did you hear from your members, your delegates, as far as looking at the farm bill and and trade issues uh, moving forward? Uh, what was their message? Well, trade is our is the big thing for for agriculture. Uh, we're one of the only uh, uh, parts of, of uh, that actually had a surplus last year uh, in uh, the rest of the company. You know, had a deficit, um, so we're trying to help out actually that way. Uh, with China alone, we had a two point six billion dollar surplus and uh, of course that's so um, we keep hearing you know from our from our farmer farmers out there that uh, you know if we uh, lose some of this trade we're going to be in in big trouble because you know uh, income's down already and expected to possibly go down another six seven percent this year so that's uh, that's what I've been hearing what do they want to see in the farm bill? They want to see uh, a little change in uh, in uh, farm programs as far as ARC and PLC. Um, make it more, uh, um, well, in some cases you have, you know, counties button up against each other and one county, you know, is, is, uh, is getting something and, and the next county is, is zeroed out. Um, the crop insurance, of course, is, is the number one concern. Um, you know, crop insurance keeps us keeps us farming. If we have several bad years uh, without crop insurance, um, be a lot of farmers uh, going back to the to the times of the '80s when when you just couldn't continue to farm. And if you can't continue to farm, then you know, like myself, my son won't be able to farm, and and uh, you know, my grandchildren, if they want to farm, won't be able to. Yeah, and when the president talks about making cuts in the farm, uh, in the crop insurance uh, program, um, when you hear something like that, what's your reaction? Even though members of Congress say it won't happen, does it make you uneasy when you hear the president keep talking about that? Well, you know, anytime uh, the president says something like that, it makes you uneasy. Uh, and, and he's done a pretty good job this year of keeping us uh, on our tippy toes. Um, but, uh, yeah, if it, uh, it makes us nervous, but uh, we all know that uh, you know Congress has the last say, so uh, we wouldn't just continue to keep uh, keep talking our our um, 
our song, and and uh, uh, hopefully they'll listen. John, I know uh, you know the projections are that uh, we could see pretty much an even split between soybean and corn acres uh, this coming year. We've seen a, quite a growth in, in soybean acres. Um, what is your focus? I know there's a lot of attention paid to the, the quality of the beans uh, in that protein and oil content, things like that. Uh, are you focused on those kind of issues as well as you look down the road for the continued growth of uh, soybeans in this country? Yeah, well, I've heard the same thing, that acres could be pretty even this year and, uh, you know, possibly uh, even uh, soybeans could overtake corn in another year. Um, but uh, we're a policy organization. So, um, you know, as far as the, yeah, we <clears throat> we hear from our customers, you know, if they want better protein and, and uh, you know, and larger oil content, but... Uh, that's more of the United Soybean Board's work, mm-hmm. um, but we we uh, do hear about those things. And uh, now, uh, uh, as you probably well know, uh, there's this foreign material uh, uh, right. question that came along. So, so we're trying to get that kind of straightened around and see what's what's actually going to happen. Yeah, I was talking to you as, as a soybean farmer there, not so much president of the American Soybean Association, looking at, at, at those kind of issues, certainly. Well, um, it'll be interesting times. We'll see how things develop. And uh, the RFS, I know certainly uh, uh, you're looking at that as from a soy biodiesel standpoint as well. So lots of issues. John, we'll stay in touch with you and talk more in the future, okay? That sounds good, Mike. Good luck with the cold. Okay, thank you. <laughs> okay, take care of yourself. John Heistorfer, President of the American Soybean Association, Iowa Soybean Farmer. Hey, coming up tomorrow, we're going to talk about uh, the infrastructure issue. We've kind of not been talking so much about that lately with all these other issues going on. Where do we stand? Mike Steenhook with the Soy Transportation Coalition joins us. And more on trade with Darcy Vetter, former chief ag negotiator, will join us as well. Hope you will, too, on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Tired of yesterday's missed weeds becoming today's big problem? Get rid of missed weeds for good with Liberty, the herbicide that puts an end to missed weeds, guaranteed. Plus, Liberty is proven effective on tough-to-control and resistant grasses and broadleaf weeds. So choose Liberty, the simply better solution for superior weed control, backed by the Liberty Weed Control Guarantee. Talk to your retailer to learn how you can qualify for the Liberty Guarantee. Always read and follow label directions. Looking for a proven herbicide trait system this upcoming season? Look no further than the Liberty Link system. With a 2-plus bushel per acre yield advantage over Asgro Roundup ready to extend. And superior weed control. Growers across the country are seeing phenomenal results. In fact, 97% of growers reported good to excellent performance. Ask your authorized seed dealer or retailer about the Liberty Link system. The highest rated soybean trait system in 2017. Learn more at libertylinkadvantage.bear.us. Always read and follow label instructions. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive your free DVD videos and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,250 savings coupon, including free delivery. Starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD videos and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing.